Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Ning site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for January 28th, 2018. Koyo Kobosa here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, I want to talk today about fire. You know, <laughs> yesterday I did a burn um, on our property uh, and... I, you know, prior to moving to this area 10 years ago, I never knew about um, doing doing a burn. Um, this is in the country where, and in the foothills, um, you know, fire in California is a is a uh, important topic, and there's so much. Um, Wooded areas and brush and and uh, surrounding homes, and so people, there's a regulation that you have to clear away all dead brush and things like that, a uh, hundred foot around your around your residence. Keep it clear. You don't want a lot of bushes and you know dry dry grass and everything around your house. Um, because if there is a fire that starts to spread around on on the countryside, um, this will help protect your your house and fire and fire departments. Um, they keep records. They they send notices. Have you conformed to the regulation to do this, and so forth. And um, so you then you have to go to the fire station and you get a burn permit. And that's, you know, you, there's no problem doing that. You can just do it. And then what uh, you know a little bit of the basics that you got to be careful when you, when you do a burn so that, so that you don't start a fire uh, that spreads out of control. But um, 
a lot of dead branches and things like this. We pile it up into a big one, a nice spot where it's it's a safe spot. Use your common sense, and uh, and then you then you have a burn. Oh, then you have to call a. There's a tape messages, um, fire safety department. You call a, n- a number to find out if it's a burn day. You know, and um, because sometimes when it's really dry or something like this, they say, "No, it's not a burn day." So you you can't you can't you're not supposed to burn. Okay. Uh, depending, I guess, on whether um, how wet, whether there was rain recently, what whether there winds or whatever the factors are that determine it, and it's different for different counties and at different altitudes. But, you know, you call and you find out whether uh, you can burn on that day. changes every day. And there's a burn season. You know, you can't burn. Uh, you have to burn during the, the rainy season. <laughs> well, we call it rainy season, but uh, it's the winter time for us. So, and... Perhaps after May 1st, I think, is the date where you cannot burn after that. It's a no-burn season. Okay, So so anyway, <laughs> that's some local information. And I did all that, and I, I had this big burn pile that was accumulating. And uh, so yesterday, I I burned it all up. And it's, it's, it's hard work, but... There is uh, something primal about making a big old bonfire. <laughs> a lot of people, uh, the fascination with you know, arsonists and or or a fireplace, watching fire. I don't I, I don't know anything about it really, but except that uh, there's something about something primal in us. I guess it stems from caveman days or something like this. Uh, you know, campfires and it's, it's uh, like an archetype in us in human beings. Because with a fire, you, 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 you get warmth, cook, you know, and, and it's very essential for a long time when in human history. Um, Adrian always says when she was a Girl Scout and there was a camp counselor or a ranger that came and gave a talk about, you know, importance of being vigilant about fire and and also watch out for fire fascination. (laughs) And it kind of, you know, spooky for the kids. But anyway... I was we were driving also a couple of days ago driving to a, a store that we had we hadn't gone to for it was the first time to go to this store I had to get some um, special plant lights uh, four foot uh, fluorescent so called T5 I guess it's that's the style or diameter or whatever for my light fixtures where I, I grow seeds indoors. I start them indoors. I got a lot of seeds uh, growing right now that germinated indoors. And I have these plant lights 
you need the special grow lights. So I went to this specialty store, and we were driving by on a on a street that we usually don't drive on. And I happened to notice, oh, we we passed by this place, Chapel of the Light, which is a a cemetery, um, and they have a it's a, one of the main crematoriums. Uh, in this area and um, as a minister you know you get you, you get familiar with funeral homes and crematoriums and cemeteries and things like this it's part of the life you know death is part of life um, and I'm probably going to be cremated at the chapel of the light after I, my, this old body wears out and um, I have to sit down and write a will about how I want things done, I guess, you know. But I'm pretty sure that uh, that's where I'll be cremated. Uh, it's kind of a sobering thought when you when you see the physical place. You know, it makes it real. that That's the place I'm going to, my body's going to be cremated and so forth. And so I was thinking about this topic of fire there's a very famous fire, fire sermon that the Buddha gave, and I want to check that out and see what, I don't, I don't know exactly what it was about. But I also remember in uh, David Brazier's uh, Feeling Buddha book, um, he talks about the Four Noble Truths, uh, the, the Pali language translation of the words for that that introduce each of the four noble truths. Uh, I don't know them offhand, but you know, the first one is dudka, the thirst or the the um, desires. You know, when our desires are not met, it's like you, you're thirsty. <laughs> you know, you want water, um, and there's these emotions that we have. That uh, when things don't go our way, we, we we get upset. Okay, and to be a human being, yeah, you know, this is something that parents teach their young children all the time. Says you don't always get what you want in life. You, know, you got to learn about uh, delaying gratification and you know self control. You got to learn about putting up with uh, well anger and greed and ignorance, the three poisons in life and you know, human uh, desires, and you know, life's a bumpy road. Okay, first noble truth. Okay, tutka, unsatisfactoriness that we have to deal with. We have to learn how to handle suffering. <laughs> first, no suffering in life. Okay, you, you know, if you're hungry, well, you gotta satisfy. Get some food. Okay, no one wants to likes the feeling of being hungry or thirsty, okay? it's very basic. Um, and I guess the Buddha, when he first communicated these Four Noble Truths, used the metaphor of, of fire uh, in the sense of um, human emotions is like fire. You know? um, we need human emotions and feelings you know, part of a, an organism's uh, 
you know, our DNA and, you know, our life. It's very important. Our emotional world is an important world, okay? You don't want to... There's a misconception of... Uh, that being not emotional is... is a Buddhist ideal. Oh, you know, calm person, uh, doesn't get upset, okay? Oh, I... I I lost control and I something <laughs> triggered off my anger. Oh, I'm not being a good Buddhist. <laughs> Things like this. And that's why Brazier in his book called it the feeling Buddha. And he was trying to counter this misperception of a stereotype that enlightenment is where a person doesn't have strong feelings. And he makes the case that the Buddha and, and all uh, world religious leaders, they were passionate people. They cared about things and they had strong feelings and, you know, their values and so forth. Okay? Um, they learned how to put it under control. And so it's not, you don't want to extinguish the feelings. Okay? But the third noble truth of is you know, you how to control it. So that's like fire, where fire is so important, okay, but not if it's out of control. Okay. So if you have a, if you have a, uh, and I think in those days, I mean, in rural India, twenty over twenty six hundred years ago, I'm sure people cooked with fire. Okay, and. Uh, you, you, you you had to bank it. You had to make it so that when if a wind came, you didn't want, you know, you had to be careful so that you could control the fire. But fire is a powerful tool, huh? necessary, and so people could really relate if you use the metaphor of fire in terms of human emotions and. And, and how to live life, huh? and so forth. So I thought that was, uh, when you start thinking of fire, there's a lot of uh, uh, spiritual teachings associated with that, the metaphor of fire. And in fact, I want to share with you real quick, like um, an essay in the Shadow Buddha by Reverend Haya Akagarasu, who was, of course, uh, my father's teacher. And he has an article in there called The Burning Self. And this is the first time I've ever read or heard about equating uh, self and enlightenment and non-self, depersonalization kind of idea, uh, to burn up yourself. You know, and, and some people, they talk about living a useful life you know like that your life is sort of like fuel and what and when the fuel runs out then the fire goes out right uh and wanting their to live their life to burn bright huh to give off uh light and warmth the way we live our values and to burn bright to burn oneself completely up and use one's energy and one's life's goals 
and things like this, okay, uh, don't hold anything back. Huh? Uh, live fully. Okay. Well, anyway, here's the poem, Burning Self. This It's powerful. Listen to this. Brilliancy, this translation, of course, brilliancy of the human self, of the burning self. These flames of hell blaze up, seize earth, are about to invade heaven. No ledge to put my foot on, no cave to hide my body in, no refuge for my soul. All heaven, all old friends are here horribly consumed in these hellish flames. Even my adored God and Buddha in the highest heavens melt down in these deep fires of hell. Unable to kill the flames, I tried to escape them. I ran to persons, to things. I prayed to God and Buddha, reciting Nembutsu, trying to find power, all in vain. Now, at every breath, the monstrous flames assail me. I jump on anguished screams. I crouch on silences, writhing. I, I strain with the thought, I don't want to burn. I don't want to die. But the raging flames advance upon my legs and arms and reach my head. I am not aware of it, but I stand in these flames like the god of the fire. Now the burning has caught my whole body, reached up and grasped my soul. Death, I am all fire. Sobbing, I hurl, hurl myself into it. Strange that at this moment I should gain a new life. Spirit of burning, radiant with the flames of hell. Spirit of quietude, shining throughout all worlds and space. Now, moving on emboldened, without regret or fear, without thought or qualm, with only this burning of the fires of hell, I overgrow the whole universe. No man gains a new life unless he dreads the fire that will consume his body and soul unless he mourns its, its coming. But no man knows enlightenment unless he surrenders to this fire of hell. Last sentences. Flames of the cremation of my total self are my only enlightenment. <laughs> well, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, David Choyo. Uh, he was part of our LM7 group. He lives in Pennsylvania. So let's hear what David Choyo has to share with us today. So, Ibn says, among all living things, mountains and rivers, grasses and trees, even the sounds of blowing winds and rising waves, there is nothing that is not the Nembutsu. And so started to look into the Pure Land Traditions teaching, the esoteric Nembutsu, and quite a lot the rich tradition of both the Japanese esoteric Buddhism and Tibetan esoteric Buddhism on the ah and the ooh sounds and about the breath and life principle. I'll read from Dohan, a Japanese Buddhist master, speaking of 
Kakuban's equation of Amida, Nembutsu, life and breath. Dohan states, the intoning is wisdom. The chant is principle. Wisdom and principle are the twin mandalas. The practitioner always ceaselessly breathes in and out. Breath is the name body of Amida. In breath and out breath are the twin mandalas. Out breath is the Vajra mandala and reaches out. In breath is the womb mandala of inner enlightenment. Therefore, out breath is the wisdom of calling out. And in breath is the principle of Vambutsu, that's inner realization. Thus, the breath of the practitioner constitutes a ceaseless membutsu. And a lot of these esoteric Buddhist teachers, they came to this conclusion from pondering how can we ceaselessly chant the membutsu. It must be a natural process if we were able to do it ceaselessly. And so they came to this conclusion of the in and out breath itself as the Nembutsu and can see how the the breathing has this awe quality naturally in within it in the breath. And in the Zogchen tradition and the Shingon Shingon tradition in the esoteric Mabutsu tradition, this awe, which is, of course, the first sound in Amitabha, the, the last sound of Amida, Amitabha, this awe, it's actually the first letter in the Sanskrit, and so it's, this awe is taken up as a visual meditation in the Zogchen within a figal rainbow of light uh, circle and in the Shingon tradition as the letter A is visualized on a lotus in, in, within the moon and we have this awe and um, so it's the first letter and thus you know, represents this first principle the primordial principle. I try to simplify my practice, and so that's my Dharma glimpse for this week. Dharma family. Aum. As the Nambutsu. Thank you very much. I remember in... uh, LM7's group, David Choyo, he he has very esoteric views, and we really learned a lot from him. And uh, he has certain interests uh, in these, uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, We should ask him to explain that one time about how he likes to uh, use these kind of... uh, uh, structure of sounds and uh, literary linguistic things and so forth 
um, as a gate into the Dharma teachings. And here uh, he's sharing with us esoteric uh, Shingon and uh, uh, Tibetan, uh, a special look into the gate of sacred sounds, the ah in ami da ah, and in my own playful, perhaps superficial way, uh, when I when you drink, take in ah, uh, <laughs> when we pause to think or say ah, um, say that first sip of cold water on a hot summer day or cold beer if you want or in the cold winter time that first sip of hot tea or hot sake if you want <laughs> but it's natural that you say ah okay. uh, and the way I pl- played with this sacred sound is to say that that's the ah sound in in the three treasures Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, you know, as the last sound in the Buddha Dharma Sangha, those three treasures. And so whenever we drink and feel that warm satisfaction or, you know, of drinking something, you say, ah, we're one with the three treasures in in my subconscious mind. Okay. So, in everyday activity like, you know, drinking, satisfaction, the pleasure in drinking. Oh, yes, I put a link to that too, to the three treasures. And um, and that ah sound. And uh, so I was reminded of that. But, you know, in different traditions, the breath, I think that if you look at that as a topic, whether it's in a yogic uh, yoga traditions or other kinds of uh, spirituality things, uh, breath, breathing, and how if you're calm and you have nice, and of course meditation-wise, formal sitting meditation, following the breath, counting the breath, all kind of variations of practices around uh, breathing, uh, uh, or in Christian tradition, God blew into clay to make human life. Okay, you you breathe in, you breathe out, you blow. Uh, maybe like the wind blows. You know, you can't see it unless you see the smoke from the fire swirling around in the wind. Then you could see all oh, the wind swirling around, but without that, you you don't know <laughs> the wind unless you see the the tree tops, you know, shaking. It's oh the wind, you know. Of course, you could feel the wind on your face, okay, and so forth. But uh, <clears throat> blowing life into and and even all and the different um, wind instruments in orchestra, you know. It's it's when you blow that that instrument comes to life. 
you know. Uh, so there's all kinds of uh, ways that we could use breath in and out, the Tonglen uh, uh, technique in, in Tibetan Buddhism, breathing in. Well, sometimes they use the air conditioner metaphor. You breathe in the hot air and you breathe out the cool air. So you breathe in all the toxicity in the environment. And then inside, you're, you're like an air conditioner. Cool it all, you purify it, and you blow out the nice cool air. Okay. Um, uh, kind of a, your compassionate action. You know, you could take in the impurities and then the Buddha nature, the universal life within you, it just takes care of it, purifies it, cools it off, and you breathe it out into the world. Okay? And then, of course, you can use this for your own problems too. Uh, personal things, you say, well, I'm going to breathe it in and I'm going to let the Dharma teachings work on it and then I'm going to, when I breathe out, that kind of a technique, visualization, or whatever you want to call it, can be very effective, okay, with an experienced uh, teacher teaching you. Because uh, uh, sometimes there are pitfalls, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But breathing, okay, you know, if you if you get mad, a lot of times you hold your breath, or if you hear a sound that's you have to evaluate whether it's danger or not. Okay? You stop breathing. Okay? And they say usually the, um, so many breaths per minute is a normal cycle, okay? respiration rate. Uh, but uh, uh, if you could slow that down instead of six to eight respirations a minute, maybe only three or four. So you extend the inhale and especially the exhale. Okay? That really calms down the body physiologically, parasympathetic nervous system. Okay? Calms down the sympathetic system of fight or flight. You know, when, you know <laughs> very basic survival things. Associated with the way we breathe too. Okay, if you if you if you have very calm breathing, you can't be afraid. <laughs> if you, you know, it, it's a correlate together. Okay, it's and uh, well, think about it. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep breathing, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.